0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. I am super excited for this brand new series in partnership with the team at SQA. Over the last few months, I have gotten to know SQA services really well, and the stories that they have to share about what they do in supply chain could not go without a platform to share the incredible things that they are doing. That is why we appropriately called this series, You Won't Believe What We Have Seen, and that is exactly what you can expect over the next four episodes. Stories that will showcase the importance of quality in supply chain and where this concept has led them down journeys in space. They have helped save lives, zero defects in tech supply chains, and their iconic debut into the beauty space as well. Quality is definitely not boring. It is everything to ensure that the quality of your products and the ultimate in customer experience. Today, we start with episode one called Mission Control. So sit back as we take you into the world of aircraft and aerospace. So welcome to the show, Mike and Jeff. Thank you, Sarah.
1: This is Jeff, Sarah. This is Mike McKay. Thank you.
0: So, as we will get to know SQA over the next few episodes and what it is that you do, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourselves? So, tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise people about the space or aircraft industry?
1: Sure, my name is Mike McKay, President CEO of SQA Services. Started the company when I was 26 years old, so many many moons ago. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to participate. Quality is definitely not boring, and we're excited to go into a variety of topics that are going to be hopefully entertaining and educational at the same time. In regards to the most interesting thing uh, that we've been involved with in in quality uh, within the aerospace, uh, you know, sector, I'd have to say it's the recent International Space Station. Involving two astronauts, Bob and Doug. And we validated all their instruments that, you know, they used when they were up there. I'm sure everybody's, uh, you know, up to date on some recent news and we qualified all the avionics suppliers, uh, that went into that historic mission. So I find that pretty interesting.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I love that. and I'm sure we're going to hear more about some of those stories coming up, and I can't wait to get to those. So Jeff, tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise everybody? Well,
2: Sarah, okay, I'm Jeff Lucky. I am an advisor to uh, SQA. I am a retired Boeing executive after having uh, performed for Boeing for over 30 years. Um, I've have, I have formed supply chains for many commercial airplane programs. I've lived with the team that we've formed. And, um, I like to kind of say that I'm, I'm like the farmer's insurance people. I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two and Mm -hmm. I, I've (laughs) seen everything you can imagine in the supply chain world. And, and so now I'm retired kind of, um, because I decided that when I left the industry after, Uh, sitting by the pool long enough that I really needed to get back into it. And I decided to only do it with people that I've known for many years uh, who I admire. And then I was introduced to Mike and his team at SQA services. And that was only about a year ago, but I have really grown to admire what they do. And that's probably a little bit about what we'll talk about today. Awesome. As for something shocking, I'm sorry, as for something shocking Uh, Notwithstanding the pandemic and the fact that not a lot of people are traveling these days, the aircraft industry and travel is a booming business in the future, and I've got a lot of facts and figures to tell you about that.
0: Good. I can't wait to hear about that because obviously right now with what we're hearing about, there is a lot of trepidation when it comes to what travel is really going to look like. So let's start with, you know, what companies are you and SQA working with in the aerospace and aircraft industries? I mean, Mike, you started that you kicked off this episode talking about a pretty cool story about how you guys were involved with the latest mission. So let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh thanks Sarah. So, you know, we've been around for 26 years and you know, we have so many customers and and uh there's been relationships that we've built over time that we're very very proud of. Uh three names come to mind right away when I think about uh aerospace customers. I think about Boeing and uh you know, Jeff online was an instrumental part of bringing us bringing us into the Asian world with Boeing. That's been a great partnership that's lasted a couple years. I also think about NASA way, way, way back when, uh, when I was two years into the company, we closed NASA on Honeywell and we've been involved in some very exciting programs. Uh, One of the most recent ones is the James Webb Space Telescope, JWST, that we're heavily involved with. And then also uh, we've talked a little bit about SpaceX, that's been a relationship that started six or seven years ago, and we're proud to say that we've looked at four million different parts that have gone up into SpaceX rockets, uh, the Falcon 9, the the Dragon, and we're we're we stand very proud behind that relationship. So those are three uh, key customers from from that sector.
0: Before we get to Jeff and talking about the relationship between SQA and Boeing, can you tell us a little bit more um, about that, you know, what it really meant for you to take a look at what was going on at SpaceX and and being a part of that?
1: Yeah, um, you know, we were involved with SpaceX when my guess would be there was probably only 250 to 500 employees. So they hadn't flown a mission. Everything was, you know, on the very early stages. We had a contact in our company uh, that knew somebody with SpaceX through the IT world. And he brought that lead to my attention. He said, hey, we got to go after this company down in Hawthorne called SpaceX. And I I didn't know what it was, to be honest. It was, It was very, very early on. And we had a super relationship with a gentleman there that basically pulled me aside and said, Hey, listen, I'm putting my job on the line. You guys need to kick tail and take names and get out there and do, do things, uh, you know, that we can't afford to do. We simply don't have the personnel to manage all of our suppliers around the United States. And we need your assistance with inspections, audits, and quality engineering. And, uh, it started slow. And he warned me, you know, early, early on, he said, the business that we do with you is going to double every year and then it's going to triple. And that's exactly what happened. So, uh, you know, next thing you know, we're doing 10 million a year with them and and we're the partner. And, uh, I think we played an instrumental part because they, they specialize in R and D and putting rockets into the air at unbelievable, you know, pace. And, you know, we could kind of handle all the supplier management activities that they found, uh, you know, either distracting or, you know, it it just frankly took too much time for them to, to, to work in those circles.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to, to hear about the moving parts and everything that kind of leads up to what everybody sees on TV is that, you know, rocket ship blasting off and going into space. And I, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I, I just wanted to get an insight into, you know, how you felt about being, being a part of something like that. So Jeff, let's turn it over to you because you, you mentioned that you were with Boeing and I think that's where the relationship kind of started with, with SQA. What what does that look like? What what is you know um Boeing doing with SQA or what did they do with SQA and and how did that transcend into the relationship that it is today?
2: So um as I said earlier, I, I've led a number of supply chains and for you know decades actually I was involved with suppliers that would promise one thing and deliver another. And over the years I realized that. Um, unless quality is actually designed into a product is thought about up front, unless it's built into the processes and production system, that's going to produce the product. You're likely to have uh, quality issues at the end of the supply chain uh, when you're trying to get a part out of a supplier. And that's for the, for the most part, that's what happens, you know, unfortunately, uh, preponderance amount of times. So I met, uh, I met Mike, uh, through a neighbor actually, who said, you got to meet these guys. They're in the same business you are. And I said, nah, I'm retired. I, I don't really need to talk to anybody. And he said, yeah, but you'll like them. So I said, well, okay. All right. We met. (laughs) So we met and we, uh, as we sat and had dinner, I, I was really kind of enamored, uh, because I hadn't heard of these people before. And it was a surprise to me because as I said, I've, I've been involved in the business for a long time and and, uh, dealt with a lot of people. But what sparked me, uh, what really sparked my attention was the fact that they kept uh, distracting me from talking about inspecting parts to deliver, inspecting parts to deliver. They were more focused on auditing and validation of a quality system that would produce a part that you have to worry less about later because it's going to have quality built into it. So I realized that this is something that my friends uh, at Boeing need to, need to hear. And because I found them to be different than their competitors, I introduced them to Boeing. They made a couple presentations and all of a sudden uh, they got the opportunity to uh, be tested and they were tested and they liked the results. The folks at Boeing liked the results. So rather than send a company into a supplier who's in trouble, Boeing is now looking at the potential of uh, aligning with SQA to go into some of their suppliers to check on their health, to make sure they're doing well, to make sure that everything is in place so that the product coming out at the end of the day is a good product. And it, it's interesting that I've learned this you know, after 30, 35 years of being in the business, But when you're actually trying to get product out of suppliers, you go tactical, and it's like whack-a-mole every day trying to figure out how to get your parts. Um, Now that I can sit by the pool and help figure out ways to do it better, I'm liking this better than the whack-a-mole I did for 30 years.
0: (laughs) And I can can see see why. why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Amazing, amazing. So, you know, we you spoke about quality and how important that is really from the beginning of supply chains and how you really saw the SQA vision and, and what that looked like and what that could actually transcend into with Boeing and in the aircraft industry. But Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you at this point because I, I want to go back to the space. I mean, I'm I'm very, very interested in both space and aircraft, but I want to talk about how quality has played a big part in helping put people in space. I mean, it's got to be a big job, right? There's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of moving parts that goes into sending somebody into space. Do you feel, you know, that heavy weight? Do you feel that responsibility? And, um, you know, how are you making sure that, that quality is playing a big part in that?
1: Yeah, great question, Sarah. Um, You know, about a year and a half ago, I was driving home from work and there have been countless launches with SpaceX, some of them down in Florida, some out of Vandenberg in California. And I believe that those launches have something to do with some leave from Florida because of latitude and others from California regarding longitude. Like there's different reasons to launch from different sites. But I had an amazing Mm -hmm. treat one day driving home from work, heading home. It's probably about six o'clock. And I look out into the sky and I just see this amazing shape. And it looked like either a UFO or some kind of alien group. And people were stopping on freeways. Literally, there were accidents around, around Los Angeles. And, And on the radio, they said, Hey, you're not imagining something that is a SpaceX launch that is happening and it was right over the sea and i was heading home and i've never felt more pride than seeing you know a satellite launch and knowing that we had inspected a majority of the products that were up there in the sky and when i got home you know i brought my family outside and we took a look up in the sky and i said you guys we're looking at all the parts going up in that thing and and i cuz i try to keep business separate from home i don't i i i my son is a pilot so we talk a lot about Boeing and and different things. And he's, he's, you know, blown away with all that. But the sheer responsibility of knowing that if something went awry, and if I looked up and saw something, you know, that that didn't look as smooth as that, yeah, the pressure is intense. You know, we've got literally hundreds of people that have been involved with each and every one, one of their launches. And, uh, it, it definitely does float through my mind the importance, you know, the role that we play on, on having safe, success, successful missions. So that's just an example of how much it, it hits home with me.
0: Yeah. And that just gave me goosebumps. I love stories like that. And, you know, it really is about life or death. I mean, when we talk about supply chains, we talk about end-to-end supply chains, we talk about the quality at the beginning of supply chains. But really, in this scenario of helping to put people into space, it puts it into perspective of how important quality is and that end-to-end, every single piece of that supply chain is to for, for a life-or-death situation like that which is incredible and I think that so many people can resonate with that Um, so thank you for you know sharing that story because I really really enjoyed that so you know now we're talking a little bit about we were talking about aircraft I want to go back to Boeing and I want to talk to Jeff about that so you talked about how SQA is supporting Boeing in those initiatives um, or in your initiative or their initiatives and One of the things that came out of our discussions going into this episode was that there's 1 million parts on a 747. I want to know more about that. But also, you know, what does quality mean to a project like that?
2: Well, actually, uh, truth be known, on different model airplanes, whether it's a 777X or a 747 or a 787, uh, there's about 1 to 3 million parts per airplane. So with, really? well, yeah, one to 3 million parts per huh. airplane. So whichever one you got the, was 1 million, I'm not sure, but, uh, for sure it's one to three. Um, I think on the latest airplane, at least the last one for me was the 787. We tried to go from piece parts into more assemblies, which would bring the number down, you know, from maybe from three to one, I don't know. But when you think about it at the production rates that on a commercial aviation these days, and when, and when you talk about that, you've got to consider not only Boeing, but their largest competitor, Airbus Industries, and there's a lot of others out there. When you add those numbers up, no one ever in their wildest dreams thought we would pr- be producing, you know, 1,500 commercial airplanes between us a year. Um, and then when you consider that on a single aisle airplane, like a 737 or an A320, you're looking at 50 to 60 airplanes a month. That means every day at the end of the production line, the door opens twice and an airplane pops out in Renton, Washington. It's just amazing. So then when you pull up and you look at the numbers, and again, I'm not speaking for Boeing. I'm uh, I'm retired from Boeing, Um, but these are public numbers. They, they, They buy and manage actually designed by and manage about a billion, one billion parts and assemblies are delivered to those production lines per year. So you ask yourself, if you're producing an airplane at two a day, a bad part is a bad part. It doesn't matter if it's an engine or a light bulb. A bad part at those kind of rates that can't be replaced quickly can stop a production line and these things happen. Mm -hmm. And that's why quality is so important. Now, first you got, you have to say this and you have to mean it from your heart. Everything that anyone does in the Boeing company and in aviation and aerospace, safety is first, you know, stuff happens in life, but if you put safety first every time in everything that you do, you're going to have a better outcome. And I think if you look at the statistics in aviation, commercial aviation, uh, you got a better chance of flying well you know where i'm going with this you got a better chance of flying anywhere in the world 150,000 times than you do you know on a freeway in los angeles
0: um, yeah mike did you want to jump in here on on some of the stuff that jeffs jeff's saying about you know some of the parts and how many parts involved and and what quality means
1: absolutely you know as a parent i'm thinking about companies like cessna that fly My son around uh, in his 172, he's got 250 hours. So it's not just Boeing, it's any plane flying anywhere. Um, So, you know, when I think about him yesterday, he gets back from his flight. He says, Hey, Dad, I had a little emergency. I was over Catalina, which is an island off, uh, you know, off of Los Angeles. And he said my oil temperature got it to an unsafe unsafe level, so I turned around and went home and I commended him for that. But right away I'm thinking about the quality of every piece part in all airplanes. And you know, wherever we fly, whatever we're doing, if is first, I mean Jeff hit it home beautifully. But what how do you how do you assure that safety? And you know, I, I we just take it so insanely uh personally. Everything that our people are doing, everything they're looking at, we know how critical the mission is and and safety is first across the board. But, you know, you look at getting back to SpaceX for a minute, when you look at two rockets landing simultaneously, coming out of the sky with drone technology, landing on platforms the size of a basketball court in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and 10 foot seas, like how in the world is that possible? So when you think of you won't believe what we've seen, when I'm sitting there looking at the, you know, the, the large TV and our whole company's rallied around and we're all watching the live SpaceX landings and we see that happen. I mean, it's just so it, it's, the, the, it's such a massive morale. And I look at all the eyes of all the people in our company that had something to do with it. And that's the kind of mind blowing effect that that we get you know it really brings it all home what what we do every day and if if a certain task seems mundane so be it but that stuff doesn't happen from luck you know that's just amazing ingenuity
0: yeah absolutely and i want to ask you about the team right how do you how do you bring a team together um that's as passionate as you are about quality and about the safety and and what does it mean to the team and the company as a whole
1: wow uh you know, we've been around for 26 years. For the first year I was the only employee and I spent time calling quality assurance professionals around the world and trying to recruit them to work for our organization on assignments here and there uh, to alleviate travel for our, our customers. And obviously things became much more sophisticated later and our hiring techniques have, you know, have just gotten so sophisticated and we've brought people aboard that are key pillars in industry that uh, thankfully we hit it out of the park and hired some amazing people very early on so that they in turn could recruit more people like themselves to our uh, respective departments. So I learned early on that I'm okay in front of customers. Um, I'm not that great at many things, but I'm pretty good at inspiring people and then getting out of the way and letting them bring on the talent that they need uh, to do the job accordingly, I kind of liken it to maybe an owner of a sports team, you hire your head coach, you let them go to work on, you know, the, basically the strategy of how they're going to win the, their games and the league and the overall championship. And you you get out of the way and, but you keep getting out in there in front of customers. And what I've tried to do with my, my own career is get to know our customers so insanely well that they tell me everything the real true skinny about what's going on because in the service world there are examples of people kind of saying yeah we're just not using you as much because things have slowed down and that's very rarely the accurate answer when you really know a customer they, they say hey look one of your people out here uh, you know they didn 't rub elbows the way they should with this one supplier, and the supplier's throwing you on the under the bus, and you guys uh, it worked out at the end, but it got a little iffy there and If I have that relationship with the customer we, where we get to that to that level, we can get down to true root cause, and that 's what I always try to go after.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that, that just goes to you as a leader and, you know, especially in these times, really looking to leaders like you to, to inspire teams and, and what it is that you do and, and how you do that. But it comes down to also that relationship with the customer that also helps with the quality and what you guys do on a, on a day to day basis as well. So Jeff, I'm going to come back to you because Mike was talking about drones and drones guiding, you know, the, the spacecraft, uh, back to earth and and back to that nba or the 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 basketball court size um you know platform but talking about aircraft you know what is the future of aircraft are we gonna see drones i know there's a lot of talk about it there's a lot of talk of from from a lot of different people user people are using it recreationally um but what does that future of aircraft kind of look like
2: well, I mean, if we can just go back a few months, um, let's, let's, not, let's not try and a- I'm not going to try and answer the question um, looking through COVID. Let's look pre-COVID because um, uh, the aviation industry has grown exponentially over the years and it has survived many, many exogenic shocks, whether it's a Gulf War or SARS or an economic crisis in the early 2000s. I think it was 2009. It doesn't really matter year over year with a couple of blips on the radar screen, passenger traffic has increased significantly. So I I would say it this way, as long as the population continues to grow and there's economic growth, markets will emerge and so too will passenger traffic. And so what that means is they're going to need a lot of airplanes to put these people Mm -hmm. where they want to go when they want to go. So, uh, Boeing has, for over 30 years, every year done a study looking 20 years forward. And that 20-year forecast that was produced, and it's always very, very accurate. In 2019, the, the uh, market forecast showed huge uh, potential for aircraft production and then the services that support them. So, for example, um, if I cut right to the numbers that are in front of me, Passenger travel is going to continue to grow at a rate of about 4.6% per year. Fle- wow. Fleet growth will continue to, to increase by 3.4%. So what does that mean? And most people don't know this. Over the next 20 years, the, the, it is expected that the producers of aircraft will deliver just for commercial aviation, over 44,000 new airplanes. Hmm. Now, that's a market value of about $6.8 trillion. So now the the market to support that for services over a 10-year period is going to require 2.5 million people to support the delivery of those airplanes. And that just over 10 years is $9 trillion. So I know these are big numbers, but the answer to your question is, what is the future? Well, as long as people keep having people and people wanna move around, there's gonna be a demand for aircraft that we've, it's gonna double over the next 20 years. Now, add that to what we'll just call autonomous vehicles. I believe, I'm in my 60s, I believe that before I leave this place, we're going to see uh, autonomous support on commercial aircraft. There will always be a pilot. There will always be a pilot. But the question is, and you know, it's just my opinion, uh, the question is, will there be a co-pilot? And I think the day will come when that's not necessary. Why? Let's just go back to the streets. Let's leave aviation and go to the streets. The think tankers at Brookings and other places that have really incredibly smart people will tell you, that humans will accept autonomous vehicles at a rate faster than they did accept cell phones. So when you think about that, this, the freeways in Southern California, right here in Orange County, are gonna have an autonomous center in the middle. And that'll be for, for vehicles that are gonna be driving by themselves, right? I believe that we're gonna see uh drones delivering packages. Uh, vehicles going down the sidewalk uh, that don't require humans operating them—you know—as a as a, a function of the unit, but from a distance. And drones in the military is a very common thing, uh, but the drones in civil aviation and in the commercial, you know, business of delivering goods. Think of Amazon Prime. What they said they're going to do—the uh, world will change, and there will be drones all over the place.
0: I'm You're kind of making me picture a world like the Jetsons. I mean, I oh, might yes. be aging myself a little bit, but uh, that was definitely a show that I watched when I was younger. And I was watching a, a show the other day that actually said that three out of five people are not scared to drive an autonomous vehicle. So I agree with you on that. But Mike, can you jump in here and, and talk a little bit about how SQA is going to support all of this and, and how you're going to support some of that growth and, and what you guys are going to do? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Boy, uh, we sure are excited. Um, The only constant is change. I mean, 26 years ago, when we started this company, what we were looking at versus now the sophistication and the technology, it's just, it's, it's mind blowing. The other day I was playing golf with the chairman of Uber and he's a friend of mine and a mentor. And, you know, I was talking to him about, you know, really straight, you know, transparent discussions about when we will get into a vehicle and uh, you know, take a several hour drive and you sit in the back and relax and catch up on emails and let the computer, uh, the the car take you where you want to go. I asked him point blank that going to happen. He said five years. And that was about a year ago. And I said, wow. Yeah. And I said, well, why isn't it happening now? And he said, we have the technology to do all of it. Um, it comes down to accidents and detours and things like that in the road that it, it, we're still working on. In other words, you know, you're downtown and you're on ninth street and you need to get over to sixth street. If they're doing a bunch of road repair, uh, the car could get confused and it could just end up sitting there waiting for things in front of it to move, which is not going to happen. So, um, as far as like, you know, projects like that, um, you know, it's always going to require a lot of instrumentation and uh, sophisticated machinery that requires human beings to take a look at it before it all is assembled together and you hit you hit play. So there's always going to be a very important part that we play when anything manu- anything that's critical is being manufactured, where you simply need uh, an expert set of eyes and ears to. To evaluate that and make sure everything works before it, it goes out to the customer before, you know, before the autonomous vehicle or whatever vehicle we're discussing uh, hits the road. So we're, we're ready in all capacities and are excited as that continues to evolve.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's it's going to be very exciting and I think for a lot of people it's going to come sooner than maybe they actually actually think about it. So this series actually came out of a campaign that you've had a lot of success with and it's called Quality is and I love you know when we've done the research and the lead up to this this series just taking a look at the Quality is campaign that you guys have have put together. So as you look into the future of space and aircraft how does quality fit into the supply chain and how important is it moving forward? Mike, I'll let you lead. And then Jeff, if you want to take it from there.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll start a little bit with the quality is. Uh, So back in 2016, I was sitting at my computer and, and, you know, we had had several, you know, record revenue years, but to be radically uh, candid, I was sitting there going, gosh, you know, selling uh, outsourced quality assurance, third party services to, you know, OEMs around the world. I need a better way to do this. And and by then we had been around since 1995. So I had 21 years of experiences and I just started writing things down that we had done, things that, um, that we were super passionate on. But as opposed to, you know, going on and on about how boring a quality system manual might be, I looked down at I wrote out all of our customers and I wrote out the activities that we did for them and I just started thinking about ways to more creatively talk about how we've been involved with amazing things in history. And so every year every year since we've had twelve different months and each one is kind of designated to a quality is and you know it might be quality launches or quality is iconic or quality. You know, there's so many different themes that we've had and the quality rocks, sorry to jump, this isn't aerospace driven, but uh, there was a picture of Van Halen that we put on a, a calendar page because I heard a story about how Van Halen from a purchasing standpoint, they were way ahead of their times. And you think about a rock band going into some place where they, they just go in and play. Well, they had some very, very smart people setting up their shows where they wrote into their contracts saying you know upon arrival they're going to enter a lobby and there'll be a canister of m&ms but there will not be any red m&ms within that canister and when they walked in if they saw red m&ms they knew that the people the venue of the show that they didn't read the contract so their person would come in and they'd say all right let's take a look at the pyrotechnics let's look at this 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 because they knew they didn't read it whether you know, then other companies, I mean, other venues where they'd walk in and they the red the no red M and M's were there, they flat out would just they would say, all right, we're going to trust that they read the whole thing. So that's a long way. There's a long-winded way of saying, you know, quality rocks, and I want people to be entertained and educated about something like rock and roll in and in a band like Van Halen that I've always loved, and try to bring that into quality. And talk about the quality of a rock band or, or, you know, when I'm with Jeff Lucky, and we're at the Boeing lobby, and we're getting ready to talk to them. And he's pointing at these models that are hung from the the lobby ceiling. And he's like, this is the plane that transports wings for Boeing. And I'm sitting there just mind blown. And I, I, I want to bring that to our customers. And instead of saying, hey, Do you need an auditor today because you don't want to fly your own person to Europe? Let us do it for you and save you time and money. Eh, That's okay, but I really want to get into some of the amazing things that we do. And, you know, I think in turn that has a much greater, um, it's less solicitous and it keeps people fired up on what we do. And then they end up using us as a result of being educated and they know that we're the experts. So sorry about the length of the answer. I just am so darn passionate about getting our message across in more creative means.
0: No, I love it. I think it's great. And I, you know, I, I, your passion just oozes through the microphone. And I'm so glad we were able to capture that in this question. And so I'm just going to turn it over to Jeff to talk a little bit about how you see quality fitting fitting into the supply chain and how, how important that's going to be moving forward moving forward in aircraft and the future of space.
2: Okay. Thanks, Sarah. That passion you just heard is what I heard at that dinner, that first night that I said I didn't need to meet Mike. Um, (laughs) And that's what, uh, that's what got my attention because I'm, I got very, I got very used to being around people who would, you know, their lips didn't line up with their feet. They would say one thing and go in a different direction. And it wasn't that people intentionally did it. They just didn't have the vision to see it through. So I, I think it boils down to excellence. I think is you know all humans uh, were called to perform with excellence, and, and we all want to. Um, but imagine if you get up in the morning and you turn the coffee pot on and it doesn't work. And then you get through that and you go to get in your car and your car won't start. Or the radio doesn't work in the car and you just wanted to chill out and listen to some music while you sit in traffic on the way to the airport. And you get to the airport, and the flight's delayed or canceled because of what? Quality. It's typically uh, it's typically associated with something that wasn't embedded in the genealogy of the product, whether it's a whether it's a part in a coffee maker or a part on an airplane. So I think the expectation of humans also is that people get it right because. If mm-hmm. your coffee pot fails you in the morning, I mean, I, I know you wouldn't want to see me if that happened because I, I, I need my coffee in the morning. And it's only going to happen once or twice and that's history. I'll never buy another one. So I just think that's very common throughout our entire life where our expectation for excellence is there. And while we would it like is. to perform with excellence, we, we expect others to do the same. So translate excellence into quality And it just has to be. It has to be.
0: I love that. And I think that you're absolutely right. You know, excellence and quality plays a part in every single thing that we do today. So from helping to put people in space to bringing 1 million parts to 747s globally, SQA services are changing the way we think about quality and the importance of this key element in supply chains everywhere. For more information about SQA, visit them at sqaservices.com. Thank you to Mike and to Jeff for joining me on the show today. I love the passion and from the stories I have heard today, I really can't believe what you have seen. It takes a supply it takes supply chain as a profession to a whole new level. Join us for the next episode in this series coming up next Tuesday about saving lives.
2: Thank you Sarah. Thank you, Sarah.